In this episode of Regen, the e-racing podcast, we talk about Formula E, the Deria E-Pre, Race 2, all of the ins and outs, all of the crashes, all of the podiums, everything in between. Uh, Chris is with me, it's going to be great, so listen in. Hello listeners and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I'm your host Dino and I'm joined once again by the most eager beaver in Formula E and the IPAC trophy. It's Chris Soulsby. Hello. Hello Dino, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're back. Uh, back to do the second race in Deria. Absolute cracker. Looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. We're a pair of eager beavers. Uh... Wanting to jump into some Formula E action uh, for probably one of the final times this year, to be honest with you. Yes, actually it will be. Santiago is, well, it's just around the corner, but that corner is called January. So looking yes. forward to that. Yeah, that's, wow. God. Wow. Final Formula E race of the decade. Ooh. Yes, it is. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> I wouldn't drop the mic, but like a... There we go. <laughs> Are you holding the microphone? No, I just tapped it. Like a, oh, good. Am I deafening you? <laughs> I was going to say, you're doing it wrong if that's the case. Uh. <laughs> right. Into qualifying for the second Deria race. Here we go. We saw a very... Well... What we thought would be more like it uh, in the grand scheme over the season. Da Costa coming out on top, uh, Buemi, D'Ambrosio, Sims, Degrassi, Evans, Bird, Mortara, Maxi Gunter, and Andre Lotterer. So some big names in there. Without, obviously, uh, Jean-Eric Verne uh, in the fray and a few of the other protagonists. But um, just wanted to go through qualifying with you. What did you think of it this time with the track evolution not so drastic um, and, and the track having time to have all that dust swept off, Chris? So yeah, so for, for race two, we saw uh, essentially a more level playing field, I would say. Um, lap times were around about three seconds a lap faster for race two, I believe. And it was an interesting qualifying session, really. Uh, and it is what we'll probably expect to see over the course of the season. Obviously, in race one... The dusty track surface really did hamper the runs of the Group 1 runners. And, you know, it meant that the likes of Jean-Eric Verne, uh, Antonio Felix da Costa all started at the back. However, for the second qualifying of the weekend, it was... The track evolution wasn't as much, but we also had those who were placed higher in the championship in Season 5 in the final group as well. And that meant that they had a fairer opportunity... And it was a much, arguably, it was a much fairer, but still mixed up grid. So we had the likes of Da Costa up there, Buemi up there, uh, Lucas De Grassi, Sam Bird, uh, Mitch Evans. They were still all up there in the top 10. And it, I think it will, this qualifying session really did kind of show where everybody is at this point of the season. Also, shout out to the man, Alexander Sims, fourth in the initial qualifying from Group 1. 
what a mega lap that was just to put himself into Super Bowl. Yes, I mean, Alexander Sims, he's like the the most unexpected power sliding guru out there. You know, you look at Alexander Sims, and this is what everybody likes about him. He doesn't look like your typical racing driver, does he? No. You expect him to be the guy from the IT department to fix your computer. And that's <laughs> that's the best thing about Alexander Sims. He is the unexpected hero. When you see him power sliding through corners in his BMW, you know, pedal to the metal, an eager beaver, just flying through everything. It's pretty cool. We love to see it. I, I really enjoyed that. And he was he was so stoked about that power slide. Yeah. It was just great to see, you know, that smile after the power slide was awesome. Awesome to see. It was great. He was talking to everybody in the media pen. He was like, do you see my slide? He was like a proud kid. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it obviously lost him a little bit of time, but he still managed, as we move on to Super Bowl, managed once again three in a row for Alexander Sims to get the top step in Super Bowl uh, with Sebastian Buemi, uh, the powerhouse of qualifying, uh, just pipped at the post. Then Degrassi, D'Ambrosio, De Costa, and then Evans. Probably, uh, yeah, probably where D'Ambrosio and Degrassi should have been. I don't think anyone was catching the top two. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Alexander Sims was in a league of his own come qualifying in Diria. I mean, obviously, it's a very successful track for BMW there now. Um, they've now got a 100% pole position rate at that circuit, so they clearly like it. But for Alexander Sims, there was no no one was stopping him. I mean, Sebastian Buemi, one of the most successful drivers in Formula E, he's got more wins than anyone else, more poles and more podiums, and not even he could catch Sims. And I think that's a real testament to what Alexander Sims is doing at the moment. And And also, I mean, it was a historic result. It's the first time in Formula E We've seen a driver take three consecutive pole positions. Um, so yeah, Alexander Sims really etching his name at the history books. Think Degrassi and D'Ambrosio, fair enough. Uh, third and fourth, no one was catching Sims and Buemi as well. You know, I think he was out of reach for those two. Mitch Evans, hopefully more to come from Jaguar uh, with a bit of luck. I think we'll see them, you know, iron out things in the early stages and, you know, They'll be there. They'll be there. I just want to put to you De Costa's lap. He sort of threw it away. He was pushing maybe a little bit too hard to make it work for the car. I think he yeah. possibly could have caught Sims, but um, obviously um, that that lap was mega. And yeah, uh, exactly. De Costa, you know, new team, new car. He's probably not a hundred percent with it, and and couldn't. I mean, he was almost going into the wall, I think, but uh, managed to keep it out and, yeah, just make sure he finished. But uh, do you think he could have got there if it was a, a pretty perfect lap? Uh, I think so. I think he was the fastest driver in the group, in the group qualifying stages, and he was certainly he certainly had pace in the race conditions as well. Uh, it's it's just before, you know. De Costa will get pulls for Diaz to cheat at this year. That's, that's a given, I think. Obviously, a bit too much too soon. Uh, it was all attack in the first lap, well, in the first sector, and he blew it immediately, essentially. So 
he made like two or three mistakes in that lap. He locked up, ran wide, almost hit the wall at one point. Um, but I do, I do think he could have been up there. Um, if he could have beaten Sims, eh, who knows? But at the end of the day, he made a mistake and, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, to use the phrase. Yes, that is the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, Jean-Eric Verne receiving a 20-place grid penalty for a battery change and forcing him to start at the back of the grid, but for being unable to take the full grid drop by only losing 13 places on the grid, he also received an additional drive-through penalty at the start of the race. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty harsh. You can't, you're not going down far enough, or you can't, and so you get an extra penalty on top. I mean, why bother? Yeah, it was a... The, the second day for Jean-Eric Verne was a total disaster. I mean, race one wasn't great. He had a steering failure, steering malfunction or something. And it meant that he was in the fourth group of runners. Everything went wrong. Which is a good thing to be in that group four. Yeah, which is, which is a good thing for him. Yeah, it was a good thing for him. And then in practice three, he had some kind of problem with the car, the suspension damage um, on the left rear, meant that he couldn't get any uh, running in on the new evolved track conditions. Yeah, just one thing to the to another. And then he, he did all right in qualifying under the circumstances, then had this battery change. And once he's starting from 24th, he gets this stop-go penalty that he has to serve at the start of the race. You know, it's a downward spiral, really, isn't it? There's no getting out of that. It is. You're not. Uh, you're not getting anywhere fast with that sort of start on the grid. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very unlucky. Yeah, and particularly, I mean, this track we saw a lot of passing, but it's not like it's something easy like Templehof, where you can just carve through the field. It's nice and wide, and uh, sort of more purpose built. This is windy and you're sort of taking your taking it into your own hands if you're going through the the sort of the big windy s part but let's get into the race because let's talk about jerome not getting off the start line so jerome d'ambrosio the cars moved to take their grid positions and jerome was uh, stranded there I felt really sorry for him because he he did well, good qualifying from the Mahindra. Do we know what happened with him, Chris? No, I haven't got a clue. I haven't looked into it, sadly. But so yeah, I mean, it was it was such a shame for D'Ambrosio because he did uh, such a good job in not only the race two qualifying but also race one qualifying. His pace was. His pace over one lap was clearly quite good, and Mahindra have always been quite good. Um, it's starting a campaign, at least over the past few seasons. And they had very good pace in Diria last year as well. So obviously it's a big opportunity when you've got a driver on the second row of the grid in P4. Anything can happen. So for D'Ambrosio not to start that race, it is... Uh, it It's such a... Um, it's a loss, isn't it? Let's also talk about Bird and Evans. A very interesting uh, way of trying to put two cars through a gap that one car should go through. Not sure who was at fault here. It was concluded by the stewards it was a racing incident, but uh, I've got to say that, you know, 
maybe Evans was a bit too a bit too eager. Hmm. It, it's a hard call, really, isn't it? Because I think Mitch tried to overtake into turn around the outside of turn one, um, and had the inside line for turn two, three, and four onwards. And obviously, he was well along, very much alongside Sam Bird. And on the Friday in Diria, there was a track change. So the inside wall of turn four was pushed outwards. So the track width at turn four got narrower. It was slimmer. And I, yeah, ultimately, because of that track change, the wall was there by the time Evans got there. But at the same time, Sam Bird didn't really leave him the room. Uh, I think Sam assumed that Mitch was going to bail out and Mitch was definitely alongside. Um, So it was, in effect, Mitch's position. But at the same time, Bird couldn't dive out of that move either because he would be offline. And I think regardless of what happened there, Sam Bird would have been going into the wall because he would have been offline and he would have been on the dirt and all of the crap discarded on the outside line of the circuit uh so yeah i think it's fair that it was a racing incident (laughs) it is a bit of a hard call Mm. um but yeah i mean regardless i think sam bird was going in the wall no matter what happened if he bailed out he was going in and he hit evan so he went in anyway um and then ultimately it was pascal verline who wrecked sam bird's race wasn't it just re- rear-ended was, him. Just tagging and, yeah, him. Put him straight in the wall, so... Yeah, Furline didn't have much luck this race either. So we're just going to talk about uh, Sebastian Buemi, who got a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision. Antonio Felix da Costa uh, was coming into, well, the interestingly placed attack mode zone, and Sebastian Buemi was in front of him and decided to turn in, uh, and uh, Antonio just flicked him around. So Sebastian Buemi, uh, very unfortunate there, uh, trying to get into the attack mode, and um, Antonio just taking the normal racing line, as it should be. And, uh, oh, Buemi's slowing, and he's moving. Oh, whoops, I've hit him. Yeah. It was a, it was a funny incident, wasn't it? I think it was partially caused by the positioning of attack mode. Um. I think so. Yeah, I mean, Buemi was on the racing line, went to turn in, it was much slower. I don't think Da Costa really predicted that and just turned him really. Uh, at the same time, I think it was fair that Da Costa did get the penalty, uh, the drive through. But, I mean, the way Buemi rejoined the race as well, that's, yeah, I mean, he was justified to get the time penalty for that. Because he almost took out Mortara, um, a couple of cars, and his teammate went wide at turn 17, t- turn 18, I think it was. So, ah, bit of a mess, wasn't it? It was a bit of a mess, absolutely. Yes, and then Buemi just inching, inching, trying to rejoin, and um, pretty dangerous there. So maybe that's why he got the penalty. It reminded me of... Um, yeah, it reminded me of Sebastian Vettel rejoining in Italy this year where he hit Lance Stroll at the Italian Grand Prix. Yes. That's how yeah. I'd describe it. Uh, Nick DeVries, a five-second time penalty for a technical infringement and then received a drive-through penalty converted into 24 seconds 
after overtaking Oliver Turvey after the safety car procedure. This is an interesting one, and a lot of drivers got penalties for overtaking, uh, most notably uh, my man, Maxi Gunter, <laughs> who hates being called Maxi, yes. <laughs> so, which I found out in the broadcast. So Maximilian Gunther, not that he probably listens to the podcast, but you, you never, never know. know. We'll say hello to him right now. Hello, Maxi. Hello. How are you? Uh, <laughs> so, yes, we've got a few penalties. Uh, Felipe Massa, speeding in the pit lane, 24-second time penalty. Uh, Martian Qua, drive-through penalty uh, for causing a collision with Nico Muller. And then another drive-through for overtaking four cars after the safety car procedure. And probably my most unfavourable thing to happen to a driver this race was Oliver Turvey, who who originally finished ninth, which was great. What a drive from that man. Um, And would have gotten promoted to sixth. (laughs) A Neo in sixth. Um, After all those penalties but was later disqualified for using more than the 40 kilowatts of total energy. He used 40.06 over the race. Heartbreaking. Instead of 40. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And, I mean, Turvey, brilliant driver. We we saw the, that in the first race, uh, in the qualifying, right on it. Obviously had the 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 good luck of well i don't know if it's good luck of actually being a group four for qualifying but um he definitely made it happen and what a drive you know and do you think neo are going to get any more points considering that drive um the thing is at the start of the season i did say i think neo aren't gonna score any points (laughs) which is quite a bold claim and then when oliver turvey finished in the top 10 my immediate thought was, oh, flipping heck. <laughs> bleep. Yeah, big bleep. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, but when the disqualification came through, I thought, oh, great, in theory. Uh, I don't look like an idiot now. Oh. Um, but it was heartbreaking. I think mm, it's such a hard call, isn't it? Yes, I think they will get points this season looking at Oliver Turvey's performance. I mean, they have got that uh, Dragon Penske EV3 powertrain from last season, which was all right when it it got the job. Well, it didn't get the job done, but it did. Uh, it was better than Neo's. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think you'll get more points, really. There's, it's a long season. There's 12 more races to go. Uh, anything can happen. Um, we saw in the Diria race two that it can be totally mental. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think he will get points. Mao, on the other hand, I don't hold much hope for. I remember watching the race um, and saw Mao running inside the top ten and thought, "Oh my god, it's happening! He's finally going to get points for the first time in his Formula E career that's lasted, you know, multiple seasons." And then I didn't realise that he overtook four four cars behind the safety car, which is fantastically mental. It's insane. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, if it had stuck, that's a good haul. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's in- incredible, isn't it? Like four cars he overtook behind the safety car. That's that's impressive for a mistake. 
And not only that, I mean, in FP1, he crashed on his outlap. In qualifying, he crashed on his outlap. Then in the final race of the, the year, he crashed at Nico Muller as well. So... Oh, Nico Muller. Oh, what, a, what a torrid time he's had over this just weekend. Just terrible. Yeah, it's such a... It's, it's frustrating to see, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we know this guy can drive. He's, he's an exceptionally quick driver. And he can go all the way in Formula E. He is such a talented guy. And his debut weekend was a total disaster. Everything went wrong. I mean, he didn't start the first race because of an accident in qualifying one. And then he was just, well, binned by Ma, essentially, <laughs> in race two. Yeah, pretty much. That's the only way to describe it, really, isn't it? It's very, very annoying, but it'll, it'll get better. It will. It absolutely will for him. Uh, also, both Virgin cars DNF'd because Robin Freins just, just lost the rear and went into the wall. So a very, very poor showing from them. And, I mean, they've they've got to get those points if they're going to stay up the top because we know that Tachita, uh, the hunters that they are, will just hunt them down if they don't pick up those crucial points all throughout the season. Yeah, precisely. I mean, that's what we saw last year, isn't it? The team that is the most consistent will win the championship. The driver who's the most consistent will win the championship. And it went from... Virgin Racing very much went from hero to zero in Diria. They won the first race. Uh, Freins got P5, you know, very strong haul of 36 points, I believe. And then in race two... Bird was in the wall, and then after a safety car period, Freins was in the wall almost immediately. Yeah, it's not the kind of... <laughs> it's not. A, it's a good start. They're still at the top of the standings, I believe, but it's not ideal, is it? I mean, they could have got so much more from that race and been clearly ahead. Uh, so Actually, Mercedes is top. Uh, that's a bigger surprise then, do you know what I mean? I mean, look at what they've done there. They've let Mercedes get on top, you know? Well, that's yeah. the thing. Six years you know. down um, the line. And, and l- <laughs> look, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> please no. Um, you know, going back to the most consistent driver at the moment, that is Stoffel Van Dorn, isn't it? Yeah. Never thought I'd hear that, mind. <laughs> uh, yes, we won't go into uh, the the twenty one zero qualifying record against Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Um, which has been stressed, um, obviously, after the Williams pairing with uh, George Russell defeating that. Robert Kubica 21 0. George Russell is uh, Fernando but, Alonso. Uh, he basically is, yeah. Um, but uh, Sims defending uh, his pole position and coming out on top in the second race. I mean, he didn't, he had it all to do. But uh, I think it was probably easier an easier time than race one, and then Degrassi. Degrassi's Degrassi. Um, he's a podium master. Then Stoffel Van Dorn, Mortara. A good showing for the powertrains from you know from Mercedes, the Mercedes powertrain. Uh, Roland Apt. Now, this one, James Collado in seventh. What a drive. <laughs> what a turnaround from race one. 
It was the most unexpected points finish of the weekend, I think. I mean... I was so happy to see that. I mean, uh, he just, he looked like such a dejected figure <laughs> after that first race. But uh, to, to bring it back and to, to be able to get points, I mean, that's, that's all that Jaguar has to ask for after putting the faith in him. Precisely. I mean, it's a, he spent a lot of time in the barriers. I mean, we can't deny that. He did spend a lot of time in the wall. But the learning curve that he'll be on right now is exceptional. Obviously, he's done a lot of simula- simulator work with them, or will have done, and he did pre-season testing with them. But what he learned over the first two races in Diria will be invaluable to his season. And to get a P7 that early on, Yes, there was a lot of penalties, and if he hadn't have, you know, if there weren't those penalties, I don't think he would have gotten points. But it's just a bit of confidence, isn't it? It was a reward at the end of a, a tough weekend for him. Um, so, yeah, it's encouraging. And I think, you know, it shows that Jaguar have put their money on the right man because there was a lot of doubt, wasn't there? Is James Collada the right driver here? They've gotten rid of Alex Lynn, who got pulled on debut. PK was awful. Um, so we don't talk about that. Or oh, we do. Um, shout out to Nelson. Yes. Shout out to Nelson if you're listening. Quite uh, <laughs> if he is. Um, but yeah, very good drive from James Collado. Um, hats off to the guy. He, yeah, deserved, I think. A welcome reward. So and Then we've got Jean-Eric Verne clawing his way back somehow to eighth place. Then the Kiwi, Brendan Hartley, great drive from him, picking up the scraps, which is, you know, it's great to see, rookie, uh, but yeah, top 10 finish. Very good. In only his second race as well. It means he's ahead of Neil Jarney in the point standings already. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, Neil's uh, taken a bit of time to adjust, but I'm sure he'll come good. And then DaCosta. So... Just want to talk about Maximilian Gunter uh, overtaking a couple of cars, getting a penalty, finished P2, got on the podium, uh, but then later after the race it was stripped as he was given a 24-second time penalty and that put him, I think it was 11th. So unfortunate and he had the pace. Uh, he just needed to be a little bit more patient and um, yeah, that's the thing. there was quite a few drivers that fell uh, foul of, of the safety car line. Yeah, I mean, had Max Gunther not overtaken behind the safety car, I I do think he would have got, he would have finished on the podium. Uh, it is just a patience thing. And he might not have finished in second, but it's encouraging, isn't it? Very. He knows that he's got the pace to finish on the podium. He might not have got, he might not have the points or the silverware to show that now. But he did finish second in that race. Um, it is looking quite good for BMW at the moment, I won't lie. Uh, so, yeah. It is. It's looking very racy. The car's looking good. Uh, the drivers seem to be pretty well on it, uh, especially Sims, of course. And the outfit as a whole, you know, Mr. Griffiths, he's been smiling all weekend. Let's hope it's uh, a continuation of that uh, in Santiago. Yeah, he was a very happy chappy, wasn't he? And I think quite right too. Um, well, for sure. 
Right, the standings. Alexander Sims on 35 points. Stoffel Van Dorn on 30, right behind him. 26 for Bird. Oliver Rowland on 22. Now, I looked at that one and thought, there wasn't much coverage of Oliver Rowland, but somehow he's up the top of the points. And I just, you know, under the radar somehow, just, yeah, um, that one surprised me. 12 points round one, 10 points round two, another consistency uh, master. Well, a good start anyway. So, yeah. Degrassi, 18 points. Uh, Lotterer, of course, 18 as well. Mortara, 18 as well. And then we've got 10 points for Robin Frines. DeVries on eight. Uh, Daniel Apt also on eight. And James Collado on six. 11th in the championship after the first couple of rounds. And the team's championship, Mercedes EQ, 38 points. Envision Virgin, 36. BMW, 35. 26 for Audi, Nissan with 22. So all of the points from Oliver Rowland. Buemi yet to get off the off the line. Tag Heuer Porsche, Formula E team on 18. Venturi also on 18, courtesy of Eduardo Mortara. Panasonic Jaguar on 8, 7 for Dias de Cheetah, Mahindra on 2, and Dragon also on 2, and Neo on Zip. So Chris, who was your driver of the day for round 2? Either Alexander Sims, I mean, well yeah, I think it has to be Sims really, doesn't it? I can't think of, yeah, I can't think of a more perfect candidate to be honest with you. It was a textbook win. He absolutely bolted at the start, built up a little buffer so he could use attack mode effectively, and he managed the gap perfectly for every safety car. And on every restart, he was storming, wasn't he? And then he used attack mode strategically before the safety car line, once the safety car had gone into the pit so you couldn't get overtaken. Textbook, honestly. A very intelligent drive and very mature drive for him. So, hats off. Loved it. Yes, I think him and BMW did a lot of work to sort of rectify what happened in the first race. And um, I think they they sort of looked at his his drive and energy overuse for some reason. And we saw he was 2% down very early on. And I think he was probably wondering why. And um, that all turned around. So this was a flawless performance from Sims. He... He managed the race, uh, the restarts, perfect, and it all came together. So he has to, uh, definitely has to. Also, James Collado, staying out of trouble, picking up the points. I mean, that drive for a rookie after minimal running over the weekend. You've got to say that, really, he should have got driver of the day just because of the the absolute just massive effort he would have put in um, and and yeah time in the car everything all that adding up great drive from him also shout out James good job yeah I would I would definitely agree with that I mean the state of mind he must have been in after all of those accidents he must have felt like the at the bottom of the world so to bounce back like that and have that little those six points be like oh actually hmm fair enough I'll take that so hats off yeah, and I mean, after the first two rounds, he's beating Mitch Evans. 
God, that's actually true. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I wonder when the last time that actually happened. Has it ever happened? What Mitch Evans getting beaten? Has Mitch Evans ever been behind his teammate in Formula E? I don't think he has. You know. All right. Mind you, season four. Because PK was actually all right then, as much as that pains me to say. That's all good. I mean, we'll, we'll tell yeah, you in the we'll, next we'll, episode. We'll tell you in the next episode, but uh, I think you know Evans will will start the ball rolling in Santiago. So, and so with that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Mostly, we are at Regen Racing, and we have an awesome uh, one page website from Card at regenracingpodcast.com uh, Is there anything further that you'd like to plug, Chris? I've got something, but I'll let you let you go first. I don't think so. You're still chugging away on um, all the bits and pieces for Formula 1 and Formula E over at Motorsport Monday? Uh, of course I am. Um, so yeah, I shall plug, plug myself. Um, so yeah, so if you're after a Fantastic bit of coverage to uh, for Formula E in the IPC Trophy. I would thoroughly recommend the publication that is Motorsport Week, and it's just the title Motorsport Monday. So Motorsport Week and Motorsport Monday are a pair of publications that are independently run, which is very rare in this day and age amidst uh, Autosport and Motorsport.com, and they offer premium Formula E coverage and content. Uh, to listeners, you'll be unsurprised to hear that 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 I am doing that. Uh, so yeah, have a look. Um, I can't. That sounds sad. Yeah, what happened to humility? Huh? That sounds really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, have a look. That's you can read my work there. You can see what I do on a daily basis. Delve into my words. Live my world. And yeah, bon appetit. Um, for Motorsport Monday, you'll find more in-depth analysis and content on there, and hopefully some interviews over the next year, uh, if things go according to plan. Yeah, so that was a total hash job. <laughs> um, read Motorsport Week and Motorsport Monday. Uh, your views are much appreciated. And yes, um, good, enjoy. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can confirm it as brilliant. Uh, and obviously good content from Chris. Also, I'm going to be on Copy That Mate, a Formula One podcast. It is brilliant. Uh, So Ben Sheets and Xavier Vasquez, the hosts of that show, and they talk mostly about Formula One, but a little bit of everything uh, in between, and they are sort of looking into Formula E over the break of Formula One, like a lot of people that will... Be needing that motorsport fix so we're going to talk Abu Dhabi uh, and the conclusion of the 2019 Formula 1 season but we're also going to talk Formula E yeah it's going to be good so I will be yeah putting some stuff up on Twitter and um, yeah letting you all know a little bit more of that one probably going to be happening this weekend which I'm looking forward to so uh, Chris you'll probably be in London or waking up at a ridiculous time, I assume. One of the two. Okay, thank you listeners for listening to us ramble about Formula E. And um, yeah, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, 
hello at regenracingpodcast.com. We will see you again for the Santiago E-Prix. And Chris has just lost it for some reason. Goodbye. <laughs> Rumble is the perfect word. Bye-bye. Not a sausage. Oh, my lines are wavy.